Right now, we're in the African savanna on a beautiful, sunny summer morning, where we're witnessing a young Amazon PPC campaign in its natural habitat. This juvenile campaign is just two weeks old, newly birthed from Seller Central. You can tell this campaign has so much natural instinct with its fresh new auto-targeting ad groups. Watch closely. You can see already it's learning how to stand and grow, reporting on clicks, conversions, and ACOS. While it seems like this young campaign is healthy and strong, in its youth, it's extremely vulnerable and unprotected from lurking predators. Michael, look! On the horizon, a herd of fierce, irrelevant search queries are approaching. Ah, yes, Stephen. While these queries are dangerous, they don't attack like a lion or a jaguar. Instead, they are parasitic, slowly debilitating an Amazon campaign by draining its ad spend budget to death with low conversion rates. This poor young campaign, defenseless and completely unaware of the encroaching danger. Oh no! The predators have descended upon the campaign! And look! Here comes, galloping in the distance, a search term with 75 clicks and no conversions. This is surely the end of this young campaign. Ah! What's this? Suddenly appearing out of the brush! It's a fully grown ad badger charging in! He's coming to save the campaign! And completely upgrading the campaign with new bid optimizations. Michael! The ad badger is completely pulverizing the vicious, unprofitable search terms. The ad badger has proven himself victorious once again, and he will go on to fight and defend more Amazon campaigns here in the savannah for many years to come. What's going on, Badger Nation? It's Mike and Steven from Ad Badger, and you are listening to the AMZ PPC Den podcast, the world's first Amazon PPC advertising podcast and your source for all the tips, tricks, and optimization strategies you need to get the most from your Amazon ads. And you guys can find all of our episodes, show notes, and links at adbadger.com slash podcast or wherever you get your podcasts. What's going on, Badger Nation? It is Mike here, and I'm really excited to have my friend on the show today. Corin, how are you doing? I'm good, Mike. Thanks for having me. Corin, thanks for coming down to South Austin over here. Uh, you just told me, actually, I just told you, it's like, man, I'm looking for, for people to split the office with. And you're like, oh, wait a second, I would have done it, but you're moving away from Austin, yep. <laughs> so it'll never happen. No. <laughs> it'll never Unless happen. Unless it's virtual. <laughs> yes. <laughs> you're going to rent space virtually? Yep. Let's do That'd it. Be perfect. I'll, I'll charge for that. Um, as everyone knows out there listening, I have a very, very high bar to have guests on the show. Uh, I was just telling you, Corin, I think you're actually the fourth guest on the show. Uh, mm. So congratulations. How does that feel? I'm honored. I mean, yeah, it's made my week. <laughs> <laughs> That's awesome. Um, and the reason why I wanted you on the show is because this is a topic that I don't know a lot about myself, but I know is going to be really valuable to people listening out there, uh, especially if people ever plan to sell their Amazon company, which I think is a lot of people listening to the show. You know, they hear that they're probably like sitting up a little straighter right now. They're like, oh yeah, maybe I will one day. You know, I heard so-and-so sell an Amazon company and for a nice penny and like, what can I do to sort of think about that and get that started? So just a quick introduction to you for anyone who doesn't know. Um, I'm trying to think about the very first time we met personally. Was it Barcelona? I think it was Barcelona at uh, a DC Barcelona event, probably. You know what was cool about that? What's that? 
Can, or do you want to finish that? That'll no, I don't, I don't have anything else. Okay. Save me. <laughs> so a mutual friend, Travis, yeah. at the same event, we were at a bar. Yeah. And I said, I want to start a business brokerage, but mm-hmm. I'm not sure how to break into the, the mold. He mm-hmm. said, just do FBA businesses. Boom. That at was... that same, <laughs> when we first met. So that same weekend. How about that? And since then, I've launched an Amazon advertising empire Right, maybe, yeah. uh, and and you have launched uh, what I think is a really really cool unique company, uh, something that sort of the I think the world needed. Uh, you launched the FBABroker.com. dot mm-hmm. uh, and you know for anyone who doesn't know, what is that? So we're a business brokerage. We focus specifically on helping our clients, which are typically owner founders, mm-hmm. so founder owners um, mm-hmm. that have started a, a company from scratch that are looking to exit. And we focus specifically on the sell side, which we can get into a little bit more. Um, and our, our real goal internally is to get the highest value possible and the best deal terms. So for every single client, that's our goal. It's a good goal. Uh, you have this cool ongoing series. And by the way, I because we have so few guests, I get to write my own intro of based off of like how I know you. Uh, I see this pop up in my feeds. I, in, I do genuinely enjoy watching it. Market Watch Mondays, published mm-hmm. on Facebook, Instagram, and LinkedIn. I didn't know about the LinkedIn. Um, where this is really cool. I don't know how you do this. But you're going around the internet researching when Amazon companies are sold, and then you're mm-hmm. reporting on some of these trends. Yep. Uh, did I miss anything about Market Watch Monday? No. Well, this was um, when I launched the FBA broker. So at the time, I was the first business brokerage to focus exclusively on this niche, mm-hmm. and I wanted to know how to value these businesses mm-hmm. <laughs> because everyone else did all sorts of business models, right? And most still do. Yeah. And so I started looking around online and by hand, manually just finding everything I could. And then we compiled the database, but that was four years ago. Mm-hmm. And now we have some really interesting information yeah. and people seem to like that that update. So wow. we, we talk about what listed, what sold, what the multiples look like. It's, yeah, it's an interesting heartbeat on the market. You want to talk about heartbeat and lifeblood. Did you know, so you launched the, the first sort of re- report that was coming out on Amazon specific businesses. Mm-hmm. Did you know that you're currently on right now this show, the world's first Amazon advertising dedicated podcast where every episode's about Amazon advertising? I did. You did know that. <laughs> All right, never mind, moving on. Uh, so really the reason I did ask you to be on the show was to really just hone in. Advertising is often such a gigantic not only expense on a PL, it's also a huge mental load for a lot of companies. They're constantly thinking about how much I'm spending, what should I be doing with that? And we here on the show always talk about different strategies that people should be deploying when it comes to optimizing their ad campaigns and getting them where they want. Mm -hmm. And I think that's very interesting because where they want may only be informed based off what they currently know. So when we get into, hey, maybe one day you're creating a a sellable asset, maybe you you will want to be selling this. We're going to tap into how that should be influencing and how they think about Amazon advertising. Mm -hmm. Because there is a slew of Amazon advertising strategies. Uh, 
burning them so you get no profit and you're only fueling organic. Uh, you hear stories about people chopping their ad spend in half or by 80% and then maybe something disastrous happens, maybe something, maybe nothing happens. Maybe they just juiced their profit a whole bunch. So there's so many different modes and ways of thinking about Amazon advertising that were never present with thinking about Google ad spend or Facebook ad spend. So I wanted to touch into some of that here. Um, but really the first question I wanted to ask was, Let's say there's a listener out there who's, you know, optimizing their campaigns, moving their business forward. At what point should they think about selling their Amazon company? Mm. Yeah, that's probably the best place to start. Mm -hmm. So I'll go through maybe some examples mm -hmm. of clients when cool. they've found the right time for, to sell for them is. Mm -hmm. um, so, and hopefully that'll help the listener understand when the right time for them could be. Mm -hmm. So a couple of um, milestones I'd say we often see as a catalyst for someone wanting to sell. The first is time. So maybe they've been at the business a little bit, they've mm -hmm. got it to a, a good spot. Maybe they've been at it two, three, four years and it's just the right time. Mm. That's one thing. So time, time-based. Time as in their personal career trajectory. They've just Correct. been doing it enough. Correct. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So that's, that's one one reason mm -hmm. that we often see. The other is they're running out of cash. Mm. So um, companies specifically that are growing super fast um, <laughs> and they're needing to fuel that growth, like they're growing 200, 500% year over year. They've got a really good niche going and they need to um, bring in more capital. Right. So they're often getting to a point where it's uncomfortably personal, uh, personally mm -hmm. uncomfortable. So their life's on the line basically and right. it's Amazon after all so mm -hmm. something could change tomorrow. So mm -hmm. when the business is growing to a point where it's now uncomfortable to fuel that growth, right. that's often a good time to sell. We're talking about massive inventory yes. purchases, right. Yeah. Uh, and in a situation like that, and I, I know this is a quick aside, but would anyone ever sell a piece of their company, like find an investor to invest in some of mm -hmm. it rather than sell the entire thing? Yeah, okay. absolutely. Mm -hmm. That's um, becoming more and more popular. Okay. As of right now, so for context, we only deal in seven and eight figure plus transactions. Mm -hmm. So a business needs to be worth more than a million dollars for us to be involved. Right. So that's where my perspective and experience comes from. Mm -hmm. But in the, in that realm, I'm seeing that be more the case in an eight figure revenue business mm. than a seven figure revenue revenue business. And the main reason for that is there's just not enough. Um, there's not enough in a million dollar company mm. doing say a million in revenue to split up that pie to where a 30% investment would actually make sense right. for the investor. Mm -hmm. Right. Cool. So we've got time, we've got size where inventory payments are getting, or inventory purchases are getting larger and larger. Mm -hmm. uh, is there any other situations where, um, you know, you see people selling their companies on Amazon? Yeah, absolutely. So um, some of the not optimal times to mm -hmm. sell is when things are in decline. Mm. That used to be a big theme of people saying, oh, it used to be at 10 million or even 1 million and now we're doing half a million a year. Mm -hmm. That's a horrible time to sell. You want some forward momentum. Um, after suspensions and things, people mm -hmm. usually come through and say, how do I get out of this thing? Because right. I don't headache. want that risk. Yep. Um, but some of the other more positive reasons to do that is if the the brand could expand outside of Amazon. Right. So it could they could go to trade shows or they could go to events and start 
selling in the real world mm -hmm. and some people just don't want to do that mm -hmm. or they don't want to invest the capital to do that so going into retail is expensive not necessarily that's the best move for every brand but when there's a transition or an opportunity to grow larger that's typically when we get involved with companies and say how do we take this to the next level awesome and then on the other side of this table uh this sometimes metaphorical or literal table are going to be people who are going to be purchasing from people mm -hmm. at those times. Um, describe who these kinds of people are. Mm -hmm. uh, are these just, you know, sharks swarming the waters, like looking for, for meat type thing? Uh, mm -hmm. Or are they strategic buyers? Or, you know, I'm curious to hear more about who are actually buying these companies. Yeah, absolutely. Mm -hmm. So um, you mentioned our market data before. Mm -hmm. So over the last 12 months, we've seen the sell-through rate of businesses be uh, in FBA world specifically, only 23% over the last year have sold. Okay. So that tells me there's a supply and demand problem. Are you saying that the, of the companies that are listed, only 23% actually end up getting purchased? Correct. Wow. Correct. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So we're seeing an oversupply of businesses mm. uh, wanting to sell and an undersupply of buyers. Right. And there's a couple of reasons why this is happening, but the that leads into the first buyer type, which is there's a number of buyers out there that just want to buy as many Amazon businesses as they can. They don't necessarily care about the niche or mm. the they care about growth opportunities, mm -hmm. but they don't really care. They just want a, any Amazon business that hits these metrics. Right. They're playing money ball. Exactly. Mm -hmm. And these guys are wanting to, um, they make money when they buy. So they're value mm -hmm. investors first and opportunists second. Mm -hmm. So if you're in a, in a spot where you just want to sell your company and your company fits in the tiny box that mm -hmm. one of these guys is looking for, they'll probably pay you an okay multiple um, and you'll be out of the business. You maybe could have sold it for more, but that's right. these guys are keeping the uh, the market fairly flat mm -hmm. or pushing multiples hmm. down. I'm getting a vibe, you know, you've lived you lived in Austin for quite some time. I, I have this thought as you say this, are these the kind of buyers that are like, I'll buy your home in cash now kind of thing? Like Yep. You might not get the best valuation, but it's going to be like quick because you fit into this particular box. Yeah, okay. absolutely. Mm -hmm. The real estate analogy is actually pretty perfect. Mm -hmm. um, you're, as far as they're concerned, it's just they're looking for houses. Mm -hmm. So if you have a house and you fit this criteria, they'll make an offer, mm -hmm. which is low. So that's right. one type of buyer. And they're very aggressive mm -hmm. and they're active. So they're doing a lot of deals. They're mm -hmm. putting in a lot of money. Um, they're building momentum. What kind of criteria? Um, it changes from group to group. There's mm -hmm. quite a few of these groups doing this. Mm -hmm. um, a lot of them are looking for profitability first. So yeah. good margins, 30 plus percent net margin. They mm -hmm. want growth. They want longevity of the SKUs as well. Mm -hmm. So um, not a business where you're needing to keep... Fidget, fidget spinners. Yeah. <laughs> or <laughs> or um, hyper competitive stuff that you need to just find the next trend right. or the next product line. Because sometimes you look at a business as a whole, the revenue's up, the profit's healthy, it's growing year over year. But if you look at it at a SKU level, then the product life cycle is only really six months or mm. three months or nine months. So mm. if you're constantly needing to launch new products, that's not as attractive to an investor. Right. That's very interesting. So we have the sort of value buyers, the, the you know, people that are playing money ball type thing. Mm -hmm. uh, any other kind of maybe 
I want to say maybe more personal, you know, mm -hmm. maybe they're, maybe they are concerned with the actual yeah. product and the industry yeah. and they're looking to, they, maybe they already have a placement in the industry and they want to mm -hmm. expand that reach. Yeah, absolutely. So there's a couple different types. So the first type is the most common around the seven figure range. Um, so at the low end of what we do, they're private investors. So maybe they've got a corporate job or maybe they've just left a corporate job, just mm -hmm. sold a business and they're wanting to do something maybe part time or have the freedom to travel. Right. So these guys do actually care about the niche, mm -hmm. but they're new to Amazon, new to selling products even right. in some cases. And they're looking at this as what can I buy that I'd care about and want to grow. So they're a very active bunch of, of buyers. And then you touched on kind of strategic buyers. Mm -hmm. um, most of the buyers that we try to attract when we go to market is somewhat strategic or financial. So financial means they're just looking at the numbers. A strategic acquirer could be um, someone who's already in the niche, like you mentioned. Mm -hmm. So you're in the sports and outdoor category and you're an add-on for them so they could expand. Um, most of that's driven by the database, mm. mind you. So the customer base, what else do they want to buy before, during, mm -hmm. and after our products? They might acquire you for that reason. Um, there's two versions of strategic buyers. One is a company um, that just operates as a company and is starting to acquire. Maybe they've acquired before. The other version that you'll see more frequently, and I'll tell you why this matters, is they're owned by a private equity group. Okay. So if they're owned by a private equity group, it means that they're probably going to value the business potentially a little bit less than a pure strategic, but they have a dedicated team to close the deal. Mm. And why that matters is you don't <laughs> want to be talking to someone for years right. to get your business sold. Mm -hmm. If you want to sell and they want to buy, let's do this thing. Right. <laughs> so if they mm -hmm. have a professional team that's actually actively buying businesses or investing in companies, that's who we most like um, most likely we'll talk to and these guys, we like doing deals with them because they act quick. Awesome. So Corin, I feel like I have a good lay of the land in terms of when and why people would want to sell their Amazon company and when and who are, are these people who are purchasing them. Mm -hmm. This is an Amazon advertising show. So I want to get to how advertising plays a role in the business valuation in terms of all these different strategies that are out there for Amazon advertising. Do these play a role in, in company valuation? Do buyers care about any of these different types of strategies? Potentially even getting into, is there a particular commonality of companies that sell for great valuations and mm -hmm. they've done X with their ad campaigns? Yeah. Um, so I'd love to, you know, maybe think about because, you know, you, the first kind of seller you mentioned was someone that's just been doing it a long time. Mm -hmm. uh, and so like that concept of timing, how does timing play a role or does it play a role with how people think about their ad campaigns and how that influences their company valuation and how acquirers care about that? Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's a great question. So, um, yes, advertising plays a big piece mm -hmm. in the puzzle. Um, the the right strategy to focus on at which time is really at the point of growth in mm -hmm. your company you're at. So if you're actively, aggressively growing mm -hmm. the business, you're probably not wanting to sell at that point because mm -hmm. you won't capture the full upside because you're still in heavy growth mode. Mm -hmm. um, so then you probably wouldn't look at this. But if you're moving towards an exit, say in 6 to 36 months, okay. let's say, um, you would probably want to start optimizing. And what you're optimizing for is net net margin, net mm -hmm. profit. 
okay. or as we call it, seller discretionary earnings. Mm-hmm. So um, your essentially your profit before you pay yourself, before you pay taxes. Right. It's also referred to as EBITDA mm-hmm. in the industry. So one of those metrics is what you're really looking at. So advertising plays a piece in that role, but you really need to zoom out and look at your mm. top line and net profit first to dictate or you can actually use advertising to help tweak those things. Right. So do you need more top line growth? Well, you can crank up the ads and and work on which strategy. Mm-hmm. If you're optimizing for profit for a sale, mm-hmm. because most of these companies are valued as a multiple of annual net profit. Right. Right. So that's that profit number is the baseline for whatever multiple, whatever mm-hmm. valuation is coming yes. in. So you want that as high as possible. This is if I could like you just lay this this nice uh, statement out. And I feel like me as the Amazon advertiser optimizer, I feel like I can pull something out of that. Uh, we do a lot of campaign audits so people can come and, and sign up and pay for like a deep dive. We spend like half a day inside their campaigns, dissecting them, trying to tell the story of these campaigns. And one thing that we always look for is a sort of percentage of wasted spend. So if you think of it this way, when someone's in a growth mode and they launch, let's say 10 keywords, Five of them are probably going to be complete misses, unprofitable. Maybe three of them are going to be instant slam dunks and be profitable from day one. And then maybe two of them are going to be neutral at first, but maybe they can be tweaked to become profitable. And that first time frame, it's actually maybe break even or negative. But what happens a lot is that people forget to go in and like get rid of the bad ones regularly. So one thing we always look at is we'll pull up a search term report and we actually go and see how much were they spending on things that generated revenue? How much were they spending on things that did not generate revenue? And sometimes this sort of percentage of wasted spend, not to say it's bad spend, because it's good to do all this research, but this percentage of wasted spend sometimes could be like 50%. Um, So I'll see people spending like $15,000 a month and something like maybe six or seven or 8,000 is on this sort of wasted spend. Mm. Uh, And that if someone's trying to sell in the next six to 36 months, looking at their ad campaigns and sort of asking themselves like, how much research do I want to do? Like maybe I need to scale back some of my research and sort of 80, 20 my ad campaigns. So I'm only spending on the things that I know generate revenue. And you know, when you do that, your ACoS goes way down, your overall ad profitability goes way up. Um, so that is, I feel like what's resonating with me really strong based off what you just said. Yeah, uh, and, and the key piece is to, what we often find is, especially if you're a founder and you've started something from scratch, it's your baby. Mm-hmm. So it's really hard for you to look at something objectively, mm-hmm. whether it's your overall business and the reason in the version of exit planning mm-hmm. or whether it's granular level on an right. ad campaign. It's really hard to review your own work. Right. So definitely get someone to help you with this stuff. Right. Because right? for you guys, that's going to be easy to find mm-hmm. because you do it all the time. Right. But that will have a massive impact when mm-hmm. you go to sell, right? Because it's boosting, you're reducing waste, right. basically. <laughs> you're increasing yeah. your owner's discretionary earnings. Yes. 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 Uh, so that's really interesting, and I feel like you know, as the Amazon optimizer, I do feel like it is worth saying. Like, there are times where you know, maybe your wasted spend shouldn't be 50% of your total budget, but sort of your discovery spend. You know, you're spending money on things that could end up converting and you're testing new things, you're testing new keywords, you're testing new ad types. Mm -hmm. 
I think what's interesting to think about after this conversation with you is really asking yourself what phase of the business that I, am I in? Am yeah. I going to be six to 36 months away from selling? If so, maybe I'd be very cautious about my exploratory discovery-based spending. So that I think is a really cool Amazon advertising strategy that ties directly into. Yeah. Well, actually, the the further out you are from selling, the easier it is to have a bigger impact. Mm -hmm. So I was exit planning with a client out of the UK. They've got a five-year horizon Mm -hmm. that they're planning for the exit. So the smallest tweaks we make now can have massive results in five years' time. And also, we gave them a list of things they could do, but then gave them the 80-20 of here's the top three things to focus on. Mm -hmm. And it's up to you what you do. But either one of these three things or all three will have a dramatic impact down the line. Yeah, And that's, you know, that's why they need... Mm-hmm. Everyone should get that's why they help need with us, Corey. Yes. yes, that's why these you people, are needed. That's right. <laughs> you might not know it, but you're needed. <laughs> you too, Corey. <laughs> uh, I, I think that's really like I always. Sometimes I use the analogy of like uh, somebody like in a sailboat leaving like uh, Portugal, like aiming to get to like. Christopher Columbus, like if you're a degree off now, you're going to end up in like a completely different destination. Um, So I think that's really interesting. So that timing component, relating it right back to ads, I think is really interesting. Mm -hmm. Um, Advertising, I could imagine, like in general, I see ad expenses. You know, if I just had a guess, if someone tells me, oh, I do 100 grand a month on Amazon, my bet is that they're spending around 10% of that on ads. Do you, you know, is that something that when it shows up on a PL, are acquirers looking at that and do their eyes widen if that number goes over 10% or, you know, how do they think of that big chunk, that, that ad expense on Amazon on their PL? Well, it's essentially viewed as an investment mm-hmm. and anything you put money towards or reinvest in your company, that's why it's called reinvestment, mm. should have should be held to a measurement of ROI. So the reason why 10% is about average, because that seems about a comfortable level mm-hmm. of revenue. Yeah. But in one business, 10% would be fine. Another business, it would mm. be horrible. Mm-hmm. So I don't think benchmarking is good. What, what you do want to look at is the percentage of revenue. So mm-hmm. always be tying that back to percentage of overall revenue, overall not revenue. ACOS, overall right. revenue. Yeah. Because you can kind of get hung up on ACOS, right? Because it's right mm-hmm. there in front of you. Yes. And forget the bigger picture. Right. I, I was, you know, ACOS, I feel people are waking up to the diminishing value of ACOS. Like, yes, it's a ratio of how, uh, you know, your ad efficiency is, but there's so many other ratios that, that are not listed when you look at campaign manager in Amazon, you know, for a particular product, how much you earned via paid versus organic. You know, you often need to use third-party tools in order to analyze this data. Uh, And it's not in the ad campaign manager in Amazon. So it could be misleading when you're optimizing your ad campaigns, only looking at ACoS. There's also like hidden ratios of how many orders do you get as a ratio of your total reviews or reviews as an order as a ratio 
of your orders. And I feel like if that number was also in your ad campaigns, like that'd be pretty interesting. How many of these ad buyers ended up getting reviews? And then it'd be cool. Another hidden ratio is like reviews to conversion rate. And like if those were noted on, in the campaign manager, like people would be optimizing their ad campaigns very differently uh, and with more confidence. Um, so it's, it's quite interesting. And I think we're sort of waking up to the diminishing value of ACOS. So the thing that I, that I just want to confirm in acquirers are less concerned with ACOS and more concerned with percentage of total revenue and profit. Yeah. That's so ACOS does come into it. It's a piece of the puzzle. It's not the only thing. Mm -hmm. um, the first thing that we'll see is percentage of revenue. Right. And ACOS that, is not listed on a PL. Exactly. Mm -hmm. Exactly. Mm -hmm. So yeah, that will become important later. Mm -hmm. But what you really, if you're looking at the business, you really want to start looking at your business like an investor. Mm -hmm. And the first thing they do is look at the overall numbers mm -hmm. and what are those ratios. Is there any situation where ACOS does come into play? You know, I just had this spiel about the diminishing value of ACOS, but are there going to be times where an acquirer is looking at an Amazon account, the ACOS is stuck at 70%, 90%, 120%. And the acquirer just looks at that and like, what the heck is going on here? Like, is this just an incredibly difficult industry? Like, is this a yellow flag? Yeah. Is that, does that pop up? Oh, it raises questions for okay. sure. Um, mm -hmm. We've had the, the flip side of that too. We had an amazingly optimized business mm -hmm. on the ad spend once and it went under offer really quick okay. within a week or two. We're talking like done. an ACOS under 20, ACOS under 10? Under 20. Okay. Um, I don't remember the exact. It was under 20. It okay. was between 15 and 20. Mm -hmm. So pretty optimized, yeah. right? Mm -hmm. And um, what actually happened after the business went under offer and sold, we had other buyers reaching out. And this was part of the packet that other buyers got. Okay, They'd reach out and they'd say, yeah, we want to set up a call or whatever. They were too late. And overwhelmingly, I think we had this three or four times from different groups. They said, oh, that's a shame. Let us know if anything happens. But also, can you tell us how are they managing their ads? Oh, really? And when they found out it was an agency, three of the four wanted to know who the agency was. Wow. The fourth wanted to pay the seller a consulting fee to tell them how they manage their ads. Wow. <laughs> because they were so well optimized. How about that? That, yeah, they wanted to know how they were doing it. So this is pretty interesting. And, you know, I, I, I'm sorry, I feel like I'm expanding my brain as you're talking. So I just had that spiel about diminishing value of ACOS when you're optimizing your campaigns. Mm -hmm. uh, but this kind of clues us into an investor probably isn't as tuned into the nuance of ACOS to orders and ACOS to maybe organic lift and review lift and whatever lift. Uh, but they are concerned, you know, they, they understand ad return on ad spend and profitability quite yep. well. So if they go in there and they see a really low A cost, could that actually be like a, a business value multiplier? Mm -hmm. uh, like, oh, they're getting more interested in, than they would have otherwise. So let's say somebody has profitability of $10,000 a month at a 40% A cost. Somebody else has profitability $10,000 a month at a 10% ACOS, would that 10% ACOS make the company actually more valuable, like more interesting? Unfortunately not. Okay. <laughs> not necessarily because a lot mm -hmm. more goes into valuation mm -hmm. than just um, ad spend, mm -hmm. ROI on ad spend. It's a piece. Mm -hmm. It's not the biggest like piece margins are going to come into play? Yeah. Margin okay. will play first. Okay. So for that, you, you want to look at the overall picture. Mm -hmm. um, I'd hesitate to 
to have someone focus on ACOS as a way to improve value in okay. a business because okay. there's bigger wins there. The, the bigger thing to focus on in the context of advertising mm-hmm. is overall profitability and overall net margin of your whole business. Mm-hmm. Okay, so that is pretty good to know. So shouldn't focus on it, but maybe sometimes other acquirers that will be interested in hearing more about it. It'll, it'll be raised at some point during mm. the sale. Okay. So having an optimized campaign is going to help you sell the business. Interesting. Um, whether it drives more value or not depends. So we've been talking about ACOS. And in particular, we've been talking about, you know, how investors consider ACOS to be a factor and how they may consider a super low ACOS. But most important thing is margins. What about a situation where... You know, someone has, they're bidding on the keyword mason jars. Maybe they're getting 10 sales a day at a 20% ACoS. Then they say, I'm going to get more aggressive with this particular paid keyword. I'm going to juice my bids. I'm going to increase my bids a lot. And now I'm getting more clicks, more impressions. And now I'm getting, you know, 50, 60 sales a day at a 80, 90, 120% ACoS. And is there any value? Like, can they say to investors, like, I, sh- I know my ad margins might look not great, but it's like helping my overall business. There's like a lot of value here. It, is that valid? If so, how can they demonstrate some of that value? Cool. So juicing ACOS. Right. Um, good question. So what I often um, like to refer to is something I've seen play out over and over again with FBA businesses. Mm-hmm. So it links to um, timing to sell, but also to answer your question, at what point would you would juicing not be a problem? So something we've seen play out many times is the first, I look at this in year blocks, annual blocks, so calendar year blocks, is the first year you're often just trying to figure out what products sell, what niche you're in, what brand you're really going with. Right. That's the first exploratory year is what's actually going to work. The second year, you're typically expanding mm-hmm. that product line to diversify the business, give you more revenue, grow the business, make the brand look better. Mm-hmm. So at that point, you can probably go pretty aggressive with your ad spend um, because you're not looking to sell at that point. Right. Right. You can you can aggressively grow the business. In the third year, you're often optimizing net profit for a sale or third or fourth year. Mm-hmm. Once you get it to that point, you've got some scale, you start optimizing. So if you're starting to optimize, what you really want to look at is the high-level numbers. But what you're talking about here is a specific tactic. It's probably worth trying mm-hmm. and seeing if the overall numbers are better mm-hmm. with one strategy or another. Right. And if it does mean that you've got campaigns with 120% ACoS, mm-hmm. if the overall picture supports that strategy, right. then it's fine. But you need to be able to prove it. Right. And if you can't prove it, it's mm-hmm. a theory right. and it doesn't actually work. <laughs> so when people are in that mode, what are the numbers they should be paying attention to on their P&L or just their overall Amazon business? Yeah. So you, you definitely want to be paying attention to your numbers as often as possible. Right. Um, <laughs> you know, weekly, monthly at an absolute maximum. Every month you need to be reviewing your numbers and probably get someone to help with this. Mm-hmm. Right, have multiple people help understand what profitability is actually happening in your business mm-hmm. and be able to track that over time. Right. So that's really the, the thing that you're looking for. The biggest thing is, is ROI in general. Mm-hmm. So you've got two levels of ROI. There's 
inventory. So the return on capital spent on inventory mm -hmm. itself. Then you've got things like ads. You've got things like other marketing channels. Mm -hmm. You need every channel broken down to understand the profitability and the link to everything else. Mm -hmm. Essentially, the top line, the highlight numbers that an investor is looking for is revenue and then your net margin. Mm -hmm. And net margin of the sold businesses that we've seen sell, as I mentioned, there's a really low sell-through rate. Mm -hmm. The ones that do sell have closer to a 30% net margin okay. overall. So you need to be very profitable for an investor to even want your business. Mm -hmm. So if your strategy supports that, and continues to grow that, okay. that's what you're really looking for. So if anyone is juicing their ACoS, like really increasing it, they need to be sure that they're tracking on a weekly basis, total ad spend to maybe add revenue and then also total Amazon revenue and then also profit. Yeah, Net it margin. needs to be held accountable. Mm -hmm. So it can't be in a vacuum for it to matter. Right, you, yeah. can't, you can't just read a blog post and say to, that it says to push your A cost to 100% and be like, okay, done. Uh, you want to tie this back to total revenue, organic revenue, paid revenue, net margin. Yeah, and that's the same with any marketing spend. Right. Um, should be held accountable as an individual stream. Right. Yeah. And I think sometimes people go overboard with the pushing the A cost super high to fuel organic, where it's almost as if like it's, it's sent on a wish. It's like, oh, I'm going to pump up my A cost. And then hopefully it'll pan out and then maybe not even check it, check in again next quarter. Um, so being really aware of how all of these things are playing together, super important, absolutely important. Um, one other associated cost shows up a lot on P&Ls, uh, shows up a lot just any, anywhere. Amazon marketing, typically, you know, a lot of everyone out there listening uh, is either maybe they're a solopreneur Maybe they work for a larger brand. Maybe it's a smaller brand. Whatever it might be, um, or maybe they work at an agency or are a freelancer. In general, everyone listening to the show is an Amazon marketer. So even if it's the owner doing, they're the Amazon marketer as well. Maybe it's an Amazon marketer who's optimizing campaigns for people. Amazon marketing can sometimes cost maybe ten percent of the ad cost. Um, so we're looking at, you know, if somebody's spending ten thousand dollars a month on their ad campaigns. It's possible they're spending anywhere from $500 or maybe $1,500, whether they're using a tool or they're using a tool plus a consultant or they're using an agency. It could be a pretty significant expense when mapped out over the course of a year. How is that looked at when selling their company? Mm -hmm. Well, yeah, exactly the same. It's an investment mm -hmm. and it needs to be held accountable. Mm -hmm. So if you're the agency, let's say, mm -hmm. figure out ways to support what you're doing right. and be able to help the business owner see the overall mm -hmm. picture, right. especially when it comes close to selling because every piece mm -hmm. will need to be held accountable, not only for the business itself to be sold, but after the sale. Right. So if you want to stay involved in the business as an agency, right. you need to be hitting hitting numbers and translating what you're doing into That's overall business performance. Yeah. You know, we talk to a lot of Amazon freelancers and Amazon agencies, uh, people that work at agencies. Uh, it's always important to know your client's goals. So, I mean, if a client's goal, like in, in the onboarding checklist, they should be asking their customers, do you plan to sell your company? 
in the next six to 36 months. Because, mm-hmm. you know, I've been in situations before where, you know, early in my career, I wasn't asking those questions. And then I'd get a surprise email from a client like, hey, I'm trying to jack up my profitability, so I'm going like, to get rid of you. Um, yeah. That was pretty interesting. We're almost, they were trying to do it like, hire someone, get their ads better, and then like fire them just to like increase their profitability. Um, but then at the same time, I would imagine an acquirer is going to ask, wait, so who's managing your ads? Are you doing it, mm-hmm. owner of the company? Like yep. this might lower the valuation, I would imagine, mm-hmm. if like the owner's the accountant and the bookkeeper and the Amazon marketer and the Amazon organic person and the product photography. If they're doing all of these roles, does that somehow lower valuation? It can do, yeah. Okay. So just one point I wanted to loop back to out mm-hmm. of what you just said. Was, I like to ask several questions at once. <laughs> yeah, me too. <laughs> me too. Pick which one you yeah, want yeah. to answer. <laughs> there we go. I got one. I got <laughs> one. Um, so something you mentioned about um, switching out ad agencies right. or firing you so you can mm-hmm. improve your bottom line, that's a very short-term strategy. Mm-hmm. Um most investors want to think really long term mm-hmm. and to get the most bang out of all of this stuff you need to think really long term mm-hmm. i had a meeting with a private equity investor here in austin mm-hmm. and he blew my mind with the way he thinks about timeline okay so a traditional private equity investor this will become relevant in a second mm-hmm. um, they have a 3 to 5 or 3 to 7 year window where their investors give them money or pledge money they invest that money and they need to return it within a certain period of time. So that's why most private equity guys say, well, we have three to five years before we're wanting to sell this thing, mm-hmm. right? So they buy something, optimize it, sell it. Now that's a pretty short window in a business life cycle. But here's something that this guy added to that equation was he said, when I'm looking for an industry, so a new industry to start investing in, I look at at least a 10-year timeline and I look at the trend of the overall industry. So for an Amazon seller, that could be the category. What's happening in your category? Mm -hmm. What are the risks? What are the opportunities? What's what's driving that trend? Is it fidget spinners Mm -hmm. or is it a legitimate Mm -hmm. lifestyle choice like, say, Mm -hmm. vegan, veganism? Mm -hmm. Some would say that's a long-term growth trend, Mm -hmm. right? It's a lifestyle choice. So it's very different to fidget spinners. Often a short-term diet choice though. Exactly. (laughs) For for most people. Yeah, exactly. But, um, that's, so that could, you could say, um, how, so another example in business specifically would be trucking companies. Mm -hmm. If I was, I've actually seen this (laughs) recently. There's a lot of trucking companies in the U S for sale right now. Right. But what's happening in the trucking industry, Mm -hmm. almost everyone knows autonomous Mm -hmm. vehicles are going to become the thing. Mm -hmm. So if you have old trucks that need a driver, unless retrofitting a truck is really cheap, you're probably going into a Mm downtrending industry. And why this matters is if you're, so this private equity investor was saying, I need a horizon where there's going to be growth for me to sell the business. But beyond that, who's going to buy it? Mm-hmm. They're going to be looking at the same thing. Right. And they're actually going to look at the next acquirer too. Mm-hmm. So if he sells, Smart. if this business sells to three private equity investors in a row, you need to have a window of at least 15 to 20 years wow. thinking about this space mm-hmm. so that it maintains enough value for the next person to come in and buy it. Right. So any real investor is going to see, oh, you know, you hadn't, 
advertising or you, you had an Amazon SEO person that was helping you and then you got rid of them. It's like, you know, what's your real profit? Like yep. you're, they know that they're going to have to hire that person back eventually. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And how sustainable is it right. now? Because mm-hmm. Amazon changes so fast. Mm-hmm. Some are saying that it's going to become like Google AdWords. Mm-hmm. Um, I used to work at a, a international travel agency in digital marketing years ago. And our just our small piece of the company was 100000 a month in mm-hmm. Google AdWords yeah. predominantly. So ad spend. We had a data scientist on the team mm-hmm. crunching numbers all day every day yeah. and he didn't even run the campaigns yeah we had two agencies wow. running the campaigns <laughs> yeah. he was running the numbers mm-hmm. so you could argue that at some point amazon is, is going to become that granular it's on its way mm-hmm. yeah yeah so over time whether it's a year or five ten years time this is going to happen mm-hmm. so that's a really short-term way to think about um how to maximize value and anything that's short-term can switch really fast too. Mm-hmm. So if you get a short-term buyer in, they're not going to pay you the same as a long-term investor, mm-hmm. right? So I think that's the first thing, and it's tough in this market because a lot of people have come through internet marketing type training to get into this space. So they used to affiliate marketing or short, quick win type things right. to quickly make money as opposed to build a long-term business. Mm-hmm. And that's what the short version is. That's what makes it. A business more valuable is longevity because mm-hmm. you want the next person to be able to keep making money. Right. That's really interesting. Um, with that, so if you're working with Amazon professionals, uh, it sounds like it's of a company's benefit to you know not just get rid of them just for the purposes of boosting revenue yeah. for the short term to increase their valuation. Um, the actual expense itself, I would imagine in that case, Companies are expect like acquirers are expecting, and as long as it connects with all of the net margin, yep. that's the way that it works out. Yeah, exactly. Uh, mm-hmm. Interesting, Corin. We've taken a deep dive on Amazon advertising and what it means to what it means to owners when they're selling their company, and what it means to acquirers. Any closing thoughts uh, on this topic of Amazon advertising and acquisitions? Yeah. So the the best piece of advice I could give anyone is to start thinking more like an investor. Okay, It's so critical and something that hardly anyone does. Mm-hmm. So if you've read the book Profit First, if mm-hmm. you haven't, go read that. Yeah. That kind of puts you in the mindset of an investor. Read anything from Warren Buffett, mm-hmm. um, Keith Cunningham as well. Cool. Um, he was the guy who um, taught Robert Kiyosaki taught, okay. I guess, mentored, mm-hmm. whatever. Was he the rich dad? Yeah. Yes. Yeah, he was the rich dad. <laughs> he didn't live in Hawaii. He actually lives in Texas. But mm-hmm. um, yeah, Keith Cunningham has a whole range of books on how to how to look at profitability in a company and what to focus on. But really think like an investor and make mm-hmm. sure you're checking in on your business, the important metrics, set it up and monitor as you go forward and use use resources like your your team, your software. People like that have, but hold them accountable. Right. Mm-hmm. So know what's happening in your business month over month and adjust as needed and work with your team. Don't let it go six months and then come back and say, hey, Mike, what happened right. here? If you weren't watching it either yeah. <laughs> <laughs> or the goal changed, but mm-hmm. you didn't tell your agency, yeah. that's not helpful. Exactly. You know, a, a cool learning that I had throughout my career was, you know, all the vendors that you work with, like 
hold them accountable, like ask them questions like what's our goal and how are we going to get there? And like, are we on pace for it? Check in yeah. with them. They appreciate the attention to your goals because a lot of times any contractors that they're working with are probably worried, like, am I on the same page with my client? Like, you know, I, I want to reach out to them and, you know, reaching out to having it work both ways is often the best way to stay on the same page and move forward yeah. together. And it makes it easier if it's a shorter time frame. Right. Because if you leave it six months, 12 months, it's just going to build up and become right. awkward. Mm -hmm. But if you're checking in and you have a game plan, you're working it together with everyone on the team, Yeah. it's, well, what are the results? Mm -hmm. Can we make it better? If we can't, well, let's find another option. You know? That's right. But it's it's some, that's the thing as a business owner you need to focus on. That's right. Uh, so, Corin, thanks so much for coming on the show, thefbabroker.com is where people can find you. Market Watch Monday. Uh, I also like Market Watch Monday because you're often in a new location every so many Mondays, uh, which is always fun to see you yeah. pop in. Uh, so thank you for being on the show. Uh, and thanks so much, everyone, for listening. We'll see you next week. Thanks, Mike. Hey, everybody. It's Mike here. Thank you so much for listening to our podcast. And as some of you may already know, the podcast isn't all that we do when it comes to Amazon. Uh, we actually spend the majority of our day working on building the best Amazon advertising tool we possibly can to help automate a lot of the concepts that we discuss during the show. Yep. And we appreciate you as listeners. We'd love your feedback about our app. Uh, and if you're interested in giving our free trial a shot, just head on over to adbadger.com slash podcast deal. That's adbadger.com slash podcast deal. Thank you so much for the support, guys. We really do appreciate you and we'll see you next episode.